Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning, church. My name is Paul Mills. I'm the Louisville campus pastor. And I'm, so, I'm so excited you're here. It's such a great season. It's, it's wonderful. So many things going on, and speaking of that, next week is Christmas Eve. Next weekend is Christmas Eve. Uh, we have our uh, normal gathering times. We have Saturday at 5 p.m. We have Sunday morning at uh, 9 and 10.30, and we've also added a 1 p.m., on uh, that Sunday afternoon if you would like to worship then. But I would just encourage you, if you've never been to a Saturday night gathering, it's a, it's a great opportunity. It'll be the exact same as, as our Sunday gatherings. Uh, and you might consider that, just a few less people, kind of a, a, just, a, uh, just a fun family environment if you want to check that out. And, um, but anyway, either way, we w- we'd love to, love to see you next weekend. And um, another one more announcement, and this is really big. In the, in the last three years, TDC Kids has been teaching through the entire Bible. And by that, I mean Genesis to Revelation, every book in between. TDC Kids has been gospeling our kids with uh, what, what the Bible teaches about Jesus. And the, the great thing about Scripture, and it's what, the, what they've learned, is the Bible's not just a series of disconnected stories. I mean, yes, there's Daniel in the lion's den and, and David and Goliath, but every story in the Bible points to Jesus Christ. And also, it's not just a series of uh, moral stories it's, or, or, you know, do this, don't do that. I mean, yes, that's part of Scripture, but at the same time, everything points to Christ. So it's really exciting to acknowledge that as of last Sunday, our kids and TDC kids have been through the entire Bible. And I'm going to ask if you've served in TD Kids in any way, be it greeting, checking, uh, teaching, helping babies, if you've been involved in TDC Kids at all in the last three years, would you stand up? I'd like to acknowledge you. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. And for those of you who have not been involved, there's some bookmarks out, outside, uh, both at the, the kids' check-in and at the welcome desk. It's, one, it's a cool bookmark, but two, it's got a QR code on the back. If you want to scan that, we can uh, get some information. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to serve in TDC Kids. And again, you can say, well, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not a teacher, or, um, you know, then we've got a job for you to rock babies or baby is not my thing, then we've got an opportunity to, to teach or to check in people. Uh, just any role in TDC Kids is so important because what we're doing, we're, we're changing the world. We're changing the world through these young lives that'll grow up having a better understanding of Scripture and, and of, of, uh, of Jesus, and then they'll go on and, and change the world through that message of the gospel. So we're really excited about that. If you would, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to open up your word, to hear a familiar story. But I pray, God, at the same time that we would uh, just listen and, and see what you would say to us through your word. Thank you, God, for this season. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity just to open up scripture with, uh, with us here this morning. And I pray, God, for uh, your will to be done even as we 
even as we hear the word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. This is the season of Advent. I mean, we all know it's, it's, it's Christmas time, but Advent is, comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. And what we look forward to coming is, is Jesus Christ, is Christmas, is, is the incarnation, is God becoming man in, in the form of a baby. But there's an, another coming we're looking forward to, and that's known as the second coming. That's when Jesus comes not as a baby, not, not quietly in a manger, but he comes in, in glory for all to see. And we're excited about both of those, of those comings of Jesus. We're, we live in a world of already but not yet. We know Jesus has come. We know he, he was born a baby. He lived a perfect life. He, he was crucified, but then he rose again three days later. And we know he's coming back for us. And we're excited about that. And that's why here at the Door Church, we, we, as we say, we're one heart and soul. We, we're together in that. And we celebrate that Jesus is, has come and he's coming again. And we rejoice in that. Our sermon title this morning is The Angels Celebrate. Our series title has been All Saints Now Celebrate, because we do have much to celebrate. But today we're going to talk about the angels and the angels celebrate. You ever hear a story? Do you ever hear, have you ever heard a story that you've heard so many times you kind of mentally finish it before the person's even done saying it? Maybe it's that uncle at Christmas dinner that likes to tell of all his exploits, and you're like, yeah, I've heard this story. My mom has a joke that my dad tells some of the stories, and, and she'll number them, like, that's number two, that's number 37. Um, you know, you don't even have to tell the story anymore, just give the number, and then we'll, we'll mentally retell the story in our head. The passage we're going to read this morning can be that kind of a story. We can be like, oh, yeah, I've heard this story so many times. Yeah, I know, I know. But I want to challenge you for, with two things this morning. I want to challenge you, first of all, to put yourself in the place of the, of the people in this story. You know, good actors are, are you know, to, to be a good actor, they say you have to put yourself in the role you're in, and that makes you more believable. So we're not acting out of play here, but what we're doing, we're just listening to this story. And I want you to put yourself in the place of the characters to see what it would have felt like for them in the first century. And second, secondly, I want you to apply this to yourself. As you hear this story, say, okay, this story, if, it hap- if it's true and it happened 2,000 years ago, and it is true, what does that mean for me today? What does this mean for my life today as I listen to this, to this story from 2,000 years ago? Well, let's dig into it. It's Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, 8 through 20. Read along with me. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. 
And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of God. Again, this is a familiar story. In fact, some of these verses are some of the most famous verses in the Bible. But let's listen to it with fresh ears, read it with fresh eyes, and see what God would teach us. Let's get started. In verse 8, it says, In the same region, that's Bethlehem. We knew that from the verses before. There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, what do we know about first century shepherds? Well, we know quite a bit. First of all, they were kind of the lowest level of society. They were the, they were the kind of the, they, they were considered outsiders. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, they were ceremonially unclean because of their work, handling dead animals and, and just the uncleanness involved in their work. So they couldn't even go worship in the temple with everyone else. They, had to, they were outsiders. Secondly, they were constantly on the move. If you know anything about livestock, they'll eat up everything in front of them. So you kind of have to shift them from pasture to pasture. And, and again, this is, this is before, you know, nice livestock fencing. There's no barbed wire back then. So they were constantly on the move in the hills outside of Bethlehem. It's kind of, if you've ever been to the hill country, it's kind of similar terrain. Uh, just moving around with their sheep. And because they were out in the fields and because they were constantly on the move, they were considered untrustworthy. In fact, they weren't even allowed to, uh, be, uh, to testify in a court. Their, their testimony was not considered valid. And the, by, again, by virtue of the fact that they worked outside alone uh, or in small groups, they, obviously it was, just, it was a hard life. If uh, Mike Rowe had had dirty jobs back in the first century, they would have been one of the... Uh, the dirty job candidates, but they're also working. They're also working the night shift. But Scripture has more to say about shepherds, doesn't it? King David is talked about in Second Samuel verse seven and eight, or verses seven. Second Samuel seven verses eight. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. So King David, the mightiest king that Israel had actually started life as a shepherd. Secondly, Psalm 23 begins, the Lord is my shepherd. And in the New Testament, 1 Peter 5 tells pastors and elders, those who, who serve in the church, to shepherd the flock of God that is among them. And in verse 4, it calls Jesus the chief shepherd. So clearly shepherds are not just the outcasts they may have been in the first century. And there's something powerful in this to me. There's something powerful in knowing that the gospel is for everyone. There's no one above the gospel, and there's no one below the gospel. And the message, the good news, which we'll see in just a second, the good news was delivered to shepherds. I love that. Continuing on in verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. First of all, it's an angel, one angel. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. Now, Luke 1's already told us about angels appearing to people. We have the angel Gabriel, he called himself by name, appeared to Mary. 
Gabriel again appeared to Zechariah. This angel that went to the shepherds, doesn't, we don't have his name. It, maybe it was Gabriel, maybe it was another. But one thing they all, all had in common is that they were filled with great fear. But one difference for the, the shepherds, it says the glory, of the, Lord, the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's the shepherds. So the glory of the Lord wasn't mentioned with Mary and Zechariah. But outside here in this, in this dark field, we have that. And we don't know exactly what that means, but we have a hint in Exodus 24, verse 17. It says, now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. So just picture a big flaming fire in this dark night. But again, one, one thing we do, we have to, again, let's put ourselves in their place. We go outside at night here in Louisville or Coppell or Flower Mound, wherever you live, and hey, it's night. Well, there's an awful lot of ambient light, is there not? You can go even, you can even say, well, I went out of town. There's still that light pollution that when you look up, you don't see all the stars. Go out to Big Bend or go out to, to Colorado up in, the, up in the mountains or New Mexico up in the mountains and look up at the sky. See how many more stars you see. That's dark. That, that, that was dark. And they were out there in that dark and the, the glory of the Lord shone. What, and no wonder, can you not sense their fear? Would that not make you fear? And I love what the angel says to them in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. That's the first thing he said to Mary. That's the first thing Gabriel said to Zechariah was, fear not. So he says the same thing to the shepherds, fear not. And why? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. How amazing is that? Not only does he have, not only does the angel say, I have good news, but it's good news of great joy. And who's it for? All the people. And you know what that means? That's even for us here this morning. Good news of great joy for all the people. These shepherds were, they were tough guys. They're out, they're out working full-time in the, in the fields, fending off wild animals, and yet the angel told them to, to not fear. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. For unto you, you shepherds, is born this day, right there, right now, in the city of David, Bethlehem, the city of David's birth, is born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And let's break that down just a second. First of all, a Savior. What is a Savior? Is one who saves. One who saves. And we, we know later in Scripture it talks about he will save his people from their sins. And it's interesting to note that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is only called a Savior twice. Once by this angel, and one other time by, remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, when she goes back and she's talking to the people of Samaria, she says, come meet the man who told me everything I ever did. And, and then they indeed proclaim, this is the Savior of the world. Now, the rest of the New Testament obviously uses that word more, but in the Gospels, it's only here in John. And next he says, Christ, Christ, that's the Messiah. That's the promised one. That's the one that the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament looks forward to. From Genesis 3 with the fall all the way up through the minor prophets, we're looking forward to the one who is to come, the Messiah. 
And lastly, the Lord, the one who is Christ the Lord. And the Lord, the Greek word, means God, very God, the creator, the sustainer of all things is come. So the shepherds are not only hearing the gospel is come, but they're getting a full picture of just who Jesus is. They're going to see a baby in a manger, but this is the Savior of the world. This is Christ, the promised one. This is the Lord God himself. In verse 12, and this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So the angel gives them a sign. He says, you're looking for a certain thing. You're looking for a baby, and you're looking for that baby to be in a manger. Now, you could say that's a, that's a strange place for a baby to be, and in fact it is. But the fact that the baby was wrapped in cloths tells us something. I don't know if you've ever been in a, uh, in a hospital after a baby's born. The nurses do a phenomenal job of wrapping them like a little burrito. And why do they do that? So the baby feels comfort and protection, just like it had in the womb I, with my own kids. I never could duplicate that. I always put them in something, and then they always got out of it right away. But anyway, the care Mary had for baby Jesus is shown by the way she wrapped him up. But then it says he's laid in a manger. And we don't know exactly what kind of manger this was, what it looked like. I mean, sometimes uh, in your nativity scene, it'll be a little wood, like a little box thing looks more like a cradle. Uh, there's actually mangers in, if you go to Israel and go to some, some of the ruins, there's actually a stone manger. It looks like a, a trough, but it's actually carved out of stone. We don't know if that's what it was. We also not even sure exactly if that's what it was or manger refers to the whole, what we would call a stable. Proverbs 14.4 says, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. So in other words, we don't know exactly what baby Jesus was laying in, but we do know he was loved and he was cared for. In verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Verse 13, suddenly, so that the single angel is now joined by a multitude of angels. That's, that's an amazing thing because, because again, the, the, the word host, the heavenly host is a military term requiring a great number. So now from one angel, there's all these angels. They're all praising God. And one thing that we should mention, when, when we say they saw an angel and now angels, it's not a bunch of chubby babies with little wings, right? This is not a Hallmark angel, okay? That wouldn't cause anybody to be scared, okay? That may freak somebody out, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna scare anybody. The other thing it's not, it's not some old dude in a uh, 1700 sleeping attire. You know who I'm talking about? Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. That didn't scare Jimmy Stewart. That just annoyed him. So these angels are angels from God, and they, this was an awesome sight to behold. So now we have, a, we have a host praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Notice this glory is in two places. It's in the highest, and it's here on earth. So when we say glory to God in the highest, Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So that night sky, glory to God as we look up, glory to God in the heavens, but where else? And on earth, peace. On earth, peace. Now we have to ask ourselves, what is this peace? What is, what is peace? Well, we could say peace, the absence of war, right? If we're not fighting, we're at peace. 
Well, the first century, the Roman Empire, first of all, the, the Jews, the Israelites, were under Roman occupation, so it wasn't peaceful for them. Secondly, Rome itself was always at war with those around them. And if you study history at all, you see wars repeatedly throughout history. Even in the, the 20th century, the, one, the 20th century, the one we just left, it says that 187 million people either died by war or the effects of war. 187 million people. So that's, that's not peace, is it? Even today, the world today, there's 32 armed conflicts going on somewhere in the world right now. Now, there's some big ones we know about. We know about Ukraine, what's going on with Russia. We know about Israel and Hamas. We know there's armed conflict there. But there's 30 other conflicts going on in the world. So clearly the peace the angel talked about was not absence of war because we don't have that, do we? What about personal peace? Is it, is it our internal peace? Is it just peace? I'm a, I, have, I have peace. Well, it's kind of a grim statistic, but every year in the world somewhere, over 700,000 people take their own lives by suicide. In 2021 alone, over 41.5 million adults in the United States sought treatment or counseling for their mental health. So it doesn't seem to be that the peace is somehow my own internal peace. So if it's not peace with, with man, absence of war, getting along with everybody, if it's not internal peace, what is this peace? And the clue is in Charles Wesley's famous hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I'll just read you the first verse. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And we have our answer in that, in that fourth line, God and sinners reconciled. That's the peace the angels spoke about. That's the peace that we can look forward to. And uh, Zechariah, when, when Gabriel came to him and he was, after, after he got his voice back, he sang in, in, um, or in, verse, uh, in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 79, says, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's the peace, the peace of God, a holy God reconciled with sinful man. And how is this? How can this be? That's why Jesus came to earth. That's where we get this peace. That's the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the message you hear preached from this pulpit week in and week out. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. How beautiful is that? And one thing I love about this verse, it says, when the fullness of time had come. Now, we don't know from creation to the fall, we don't know how many years that was, but we know at some point Adam and Eve fell. And then we don't know from that point until the birth of Jesus how many years exactly that was. But we know, as Scripture tells us in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come. When God said everything's right, the timing's right, 
Maybe it's because the Roman Empire was, was at that, the known world, had, had control of everything. But God said when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. And the beauty is to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Praise God. And again, that peace is in spite of our circumstances. It's in spite of what's going on in the world around us. It's in spite of the wars everywhere. I mentioned 32 armed conflicts. It's in spite of our own struggles. It's in spite of that bad news we got at the doctor's office. It's in spite of our circumstances. Verse 15 says, And when the angels went away from from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So the angels disappeared back into heaven, and the shepherds said, Let's go to Bethlehem. What's going on? Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love the shepherds at this point. They're saying, You know what? We got some exciting news. Let's go check it out. And verse 16 says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I love that part. They went with haste. Can you imagine? Again, once they got over their fear, they heard the news. They heard the, the angels singing. They're like, we, gotta, we got something to go check out. I love this. Now, remember I mentioned you've heard a story so many times. There's also the problem of you have this mental picture thanks to Hollywood thanks to one of my favorite movies as a kid, The Little Drummer Boy, thanks to your neighbor's nativity scene or the nativity scene on your, on your mantle. What's in that nativity scene generally? You probably have a little barn-looking structure, right? You've got a shepherd, a little, a little lamb. You've got baby Jesus. You've got Mary and Joseph. What else do you probably have? You've probably got somebody who looks like a king, right? He's all dressed up, probably wearing a crown, maybe a little gift in his hand. And you got a star up above? Well, again, let's, let's look at what Scripture says. There's no star. There's no wise men. Matthew tells us the wise men came to Jesus when he lived in a house. So at this point, it's Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, and shepherds. No wise men, no star. That's later. In verse 17 says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. That's the shepherds. They've got this good news. They've got a story to tell. And they're telling everyone around them. Guess what? Christ is born. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So as they tell everyone around them, and the proof was the baby laying there in the manger. And verse 18 says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So keep in mind, who did the shepherds hear this news from? They heard it from an angel. But who did everybody else hear it from? They heard it from a shepherd. And remember, shepherds at that point, they're the, they're the, they're the lowest on the totem pole. So people are hearing the shepherds tell them this news, and they're like, hmm, I wonder. And it doesn't say if any of those people believed. It just says they wondered. And that's a good reminder here this morning. Don't focus on the messenger. Focus on the message. If the people that heard the shepherds just focus on, "Eh, you're just a shepherd, what do you know? 
they would have missed the greatest message ever. And it's the same thing applies here. If someone's preaching the word, don't focus on them. It's not about them. They may look like you think a preacher ought to dress, or they may not look like you think a preacher ought to dress. That's not what's important. What's important is the message. And conversely, you may have somebody, Lord willing, it won't be in this pulpit, but you would hear somebody and think, wow, they look sharp, they're really articulate, but the message is no good. Then you know, don't focus on the messenger, focus on the message. And verse 19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now notice Mary did two things when the shepherds came and told her. First of all, she treasured it. When I treasure something, I hold it close. I, I hang on to it. This is, this is valuable. This is a treasure. Mary treasured everything she was told. But secondly, it says, she pondered them in her heart. She didn't just listen to it and say, oh, that's nice, you know, in one ear and out the other, as we say. She pondered it. She thought about it. She processed it. She thought, what does this mean? She'd already heard from the angel Gabriel, and of course the miraculous conception as a virgin, but she listened to what the shepherd said and she pondered it. Verse 20 says, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds, remember they they had come in haste, so I assume they'd left their sheep behind, so their sheep are out in the field, so they can't just leave them out there, they gotta go back to work. Otherwise, the sheep do what sheep do, and they'd wander off. But they didn't just return to work. They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. In this story, what's your response? Which one of the people in this story is your response? Is it the people that the shepherds told that wondered? Do you just have an intellectual assent to what, to what you're hearing this morning, to when you read this story? Like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's get on to the rest of Christmas. Let's talk about gifts and let's talk about love for fellow man. When it says they wondered. Or is your response like Mary? Do you treasure and ponder these things? Will you take this story and again, like I've asked, listen to it with fresh ears? And apply it to yourself and say, what, what, is this, what does this mean for me? Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word. I've stored up the word of God in my heart. And by that, I might not sin against you. And finally, do we act like the shepherds? Do we react as the shepherds did? Do we glorify and praise God for all we've seen and heard? All we've seen week in and week out here at, at TDC, we hear the, the message of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what verse of the Bible we're in, from Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Christ. And that's the message you get from this pulpit, the gospel. So what we've heard, but also what we've seen. I don't know if you know many people here at TDC, but if you, if you get to know some of the people, you'll realize there's some amazing stories of transformation. There's some amazing stories of what the gospel's done in people's lives. There was a gentleman here in the first gathering 
that was saved out of addiction, saved out of a life of just literally hitting the bottom, and Jesus Christ changed him. And that story is throughout this room, the, the change in people. So can you rejoice in what you've heard and rejoice in what you've seen? This little baby, this little baby born in a manger, is not just a baby. It's God himself. God himself, born of a virgin. Jesus grew up, lived a sinless life, was crucified, dead, and buried for you and for me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you, God, for for the message we have. I thank you, God, for the angels and the message they delivered to the shepherds. And the shepherds told others and told Mary, and she pondered and treasured it. And I pray, God, that we would do the same. I pray, God, that we would listen to this message and that we would know you loved us enough to come down out of heaven to be born as a simple baby. God, I thank you, Lord, that we can, we can hear this story and we can know you did it for us. I pray, God, that we would treasure it ourselves. I pray, God, that we would know that you love us. You loved us so much. God, you showed your love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to hear the word this morning. And I pray, God, that you would be glorified in our song as we worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.